Welcome back to Under Pressure, your favorite business podcast for the pressure washing community. Today, we are very excited uh, to bring you Drake Van Hall, uh, founder of Performance Financial, who is going to be joining Dave and I today to give you a, a great look at the pressure washing industry from the point of view of a CPA who um, who is heavily involved in the industry, and we're excited to see you know what your perspective is and. The, the kind of advice you can offer to pressure washers that, you know, maybe someone who is more technician minded, who started a business because they're passionate about the business they're doing, but they don't know exactly how to run a business. So I'm very excited to have you here today. Well, I appreciate the, the opportunity to be on you guys' podcast. And, you know, I tell everybody that I have the best job in the world because I get to talk business all day with multiple business owners. So this is exactly what I enjoy doing. So I'm excited to be on here and see where this goes, man. That's the beauty of podcasts is there's no script. It's like, let's just talk and be normal humans and, and discuss some of these things and help people out. So that's what I'm looking forward Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Awesome. Sure we'll uh, and I got, I got to tell you, I was, uh, I've been really looking forward to this podcast all week because, uh, I had run into Drake down at the, uh, the, uh, uh, pressure washing, um, event down in uh, Orlando, uh, a week and a half ago. And, um, you know, we were we were talking pretty much for, through the whole thing, and I was laughing my ass off for most of it. And uh, Drake's got a hell of a personality, and uh, and then the drinking that per, that came afterwards. You know, uh, listening to, uh, uh, you know, I'm throwing ten dollar tips at a guy who's singing Bon Jovi songs from the from the '80s. So it was a it was a real good time. So uh, welcome aboard, Drake. We're happy to have you here. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, we had a good good a time at that event. We uh, definitely talked it up. But you know, what's cool about that is is uh, there's a lot of learning that went on too, but there's a lot of help that we can bring mm -hmm. to the industry, right? I mean, it, it kind of highlights, hey, these are some good opportunities um, to help some of these people to, in the industry. And, and that's what was so cool to me. I mean, I got into this uh, into this business. So I'll give you a little background story on, on how I came into uh, my business specifically. I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. I've always loved that. Um, when I was a kid, I saw my parents start a tanning salon. Um, my mom was a hairdresser. And so they always kind of had interest in that. So they rented out a little place on main street. We were the first 24 seven tanning salon in the state of Iowa. And I helped my dad do a lot of that back in like eighth grade, getting that all set up. And so I kind of got the bug back then. My grandpa owns a successful moving company where they not like move stuff in your house. They literally move. Wow. Oh, geez. And so I was yeah. kind of around that. And then my, my other grandparents were farmers. So you know, I had a lot of like entrepreneurial, um, you know, just influences in my life. So my first business I started, you know, I was, I was mowing lawns as a kid and kind of what a lot of kids do. In college, I started uh, a cell phone repair business and talk about a good market to be in when you're surrounded with kids that have smartphones at college that drop yeah. them all the time. So we kept pretty busy with that. I was able to buy my wife's wedding ring with that. And then um, I jumped into... Uh, public accounting right out of college. So I worked for a large firm here in the Midwest. We had about 600 employees, um, 12 offices kind of throughout the Midwest. And we really covered from, you know, the eastern side of Ohio all the way to the West Coast was kind of our market. And I grew up in that firm really focusing on the contractor world um, and working with contractors from $20 million to a billion dollars in revenue. So I did audit, tax, and uh, consulting work um, kind of through my five years with them. And um, what was so cool was COVID happens and it's this horrible thing that's going on in the world. Um, and so it actually, I'd, I'd had this bug inside of me for a while that, hey, I wanted to go start my own 
uh, practice. And it's something I thought about then, uh, when COVID hit, you know, our, we kind of just said, if you guys aren't paying us a lot of money a year to our clients, um, goodbye. And so there was so many small businesses that I was interacting with that were not getting good advice, um, and didn't have somebody that they could go ask questions to or reach out to. And that's where I get, you know, the most passion out of it is really the advice side. And so I decided, you know what, now's the time to make the move. It's time to make the jump to, uh, start my own practice because there's a lot of opportunity in the market. So great. Bit of fun I, journey. I, I thought everyone produced ethanol or, or, or raised corn in Iowa. I thought that was like it for the two. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a lot of that. There is a lot of current. Uh, uh, outstanding. <laughs> so, um, you know, we bumped into each other out at the show and, um, like yep. I said, I had a great time there. Um, is that your first time kind of diving into that type of a market? Yeah. So I, you know, I specifically work in the pressure wash. I probably 75% of my clientele are right. pressure washers. Um, and so I have a lot of experience in that market. I was there with the legacy entrepreneurs group. Um, we're next to you guys' booth and you know, I, I don't work for them, but I do coaching for them. And kind of the agreement we have is it, with, with Mike, uh, Wingard, who's the owner is, you know, he refers his clients to me, um, and I help with on the finance and tax side. Oh, that's awesome! Standpoint. Great relationship. So I provide insight to those those people there, and and it's a good kind of back and forth because it's somebody that they know. It's a good, you know, I have a lot of um, contractor experience from my previous job, and uh, so it's a good kind of mesh. But you know, it's a great way for me to get um, warm mm -hmm. leads and and really to help somebody else out, and that's. A lot of what business is is just really good networking. Well, that's lesson number one, right? Collaboration between businesses, and they don't even have to be the same type of businesses. Um, fi finding ways exactly. to, to work together and, and draw similar leads to each other. Yep, yep. So it's been a good it's been a good partnership between me and Mike. The, the kind of the joke is is uh, I'm kind of an expert at meeting these random people on the internet. So I actually own another business. Um, uh, it's an, an ice fishing related business. Uh, we oh, that's right. This is very cool, folks. Listen close on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's called Ice Auger Machines. Go check us out on Facebook. Uh, we've been on the Discovery Channel and things like that. It's a cool product. But uh, I met my partner um, through Facebook as well. I met Mike through Facebook. Mike lives in South Carolina. I live in Iowa. Uh, my partner in Ice Auger Machines lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I you know, live in Des Moines. And so... It's been weird how the internet's been able to connect you with these people that are in different parts of the country, but you create good business relationships. So I didn't meet Mike for, man, six or seven months after I actually met him on a Zoom call. And he's one of my best friends and I've met him five times in person, you know. We've gone on trips and stuff together and been able to meet up. And I didn't meet my other partner in Ice Auger Machines for a year and a half. I mean, we were talking on the phone um, in constant communication about, you know, potentially me acquiring a portion of that business and we hadn't met. So the joke I always said to people is, yeah, I'm going to go meet this random guy that I met off Facebook in green Bay. And everybody kind of gave me this side eye. And I went, I need to tell a different story, uh, of how I met this guy. This so, sounds like I'm a catfish going since the situation going on. So I quickly changed that approach in, in, in telling people how I was how I met him, and it was more from a business relationship side. Right, right. Else. right. You know, that's that. You know, COVID. Yeah, COVID changed everything. I mean, even from our perspective, you know, we were heavy in the restaurant industry when COVID hit, and uh, number one is you, you, you know, the restaurants were closed, so you couldn't talk to anyone, and we were selling equipment. You really can't sell over Zoom. I mean, you just can't do it. So it, it forced us into right. other verticals, and. Um, 
we got into the home inspection vertical, which ended up being in a year, ended up being twice as big as the one we worked on for 10 years. And, you know, and now we, we, we've, you know, we have podcast over there as well. And and we've really helped on the develop the business development side. And, you know, that brought us over to this uh, power washing side doing the same thing. But it's just that, you know, if you could collaborate and communicate and you're good on zoom and you could, uh, you're not afraid to, to, do business with people that you can't physically shake their hands, all kinds of opportunities start opening up. And I, we've done better business in COVID than well, I did before COVID. Right. And and what's cool about it is, is it kind of conditioned people to that's going to be the right. way of the world a little bit. Right. I mean, people got used to zoom calls and things like that. You know, they, they, we, we had talked about this previously, you know, when I worked in my old job, um, this was a discussion of how do we move clients into this world? Um, but, you know, they talked about this is going right. to be a 10-year process, you know, to get people comfortable enough to take meetings over Zoom or whatever. And then all of a sudden it turned into a right. process. <laughs> that is true. global pandemic. Yeah, that is Because uh, <laughs> my clientele here all across the United States and some of them I've never met yeah. outside of a Zoom call. And, and, and it's actually, you know, what I always tell everybody is nobody cares where your CPA is anymore as long as they're giving yeah, good right. advice. Right? That's the bottom line of the services that we're trying to provide is – is, is you live in a practical, hey, I mean, we need good advice to run right. our business. And so that's where, you know, where you're working with somebody that can give you that. It doesn't matter where they live uh, as long as you're getting well, that spe- good advice. Speaking of good advice, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about uh, some of the, f- the things that you can do um, to help. I mean, what, if you were to say to, to, a, to a pressure washer or win- a window cleaner or even a, uh, a home inspector, you know, what's the, one thing, what's the one thing you would say to them and say, start here? Well, you know, I'm biased, of course, because I do bookkeeping. But here's here's the story. I've been I've been telling this for a little while now, and and the importance of data and information inside of your business, whether that is financial data, understanding how your advertising works, and where you're getting your leads from. I'll speak, you know, specifically to you know, for me, um, one of the important things that I really see is a huge differentiator in your market is understanding your financials. Now, do you need to be a nerd? and know how all the debits and credits work? No, but utilizing um, good bookkeeping and and having that information in front of you to help you make decisions can be so incredibly important. We've all worked jobs before, and so this is kind of the the example I give to kind of bring that home a little bit is, you know, think about when you you were employed and you go into your boss's office for your annual review, right? Your boss would sit down and he'd go, man, you were really screwing up nine months ago and then you kept doing it for the rest of the year. And now you're finally hearing about that at your annual mm-hmm. review. And you went, boss, why wouldn't you have just told me that nine months ago that I was making this mistake? We could have fixed it. And now this wouldn't be a right. problem here. Well, I, I say that the same way from having good financial information in your business. If you are the type of guy that doesn't worry about any of that stuff till tax time comes around and you have to be forced to put together an income statement, you are way behind or you are you're not setting yourself up in the right way. So let's let's put this to a practical example. Let's say March rolls around and you had a horrible month in March, right? Your your profit was bad. You you had labor run over, um, you know, on your on your estimates, and and so your profitability is just in the tank. But if you if you look at your financials in April and you can and review what happened in March, you can see okay, well we need to pivot. We're doing something wrong. Let's actually take a moment and think about what is going on in our business. And how do we pivot to either get away from that? Or let's say March is one of your best months ever. How do we duplicate that or pour more into that? 
And if you're not having good decisions or good information in front of you to make these types of decisions, you're constantly shooting right. from the hip. And that does not bode well when you're running your business. You know, what I always say too is, you know, if you're, if you're fat and you're trying to lose weight, you don't listen to a fat person. You take advice from somebody that's yeah, lost weight. If you're trying to scale your business and run a successful business, you don't do what all the other small businesses are doing. You model after right. the larger businesses, the successful businesses, and they are actively reviewing their information, whether it be their marketing strategies, whether it be their ops strategies, their finances, they're reviewing that on an active basis. And that's what helps them propel forward and make good decisions inside of their so, business. Because right, you gotta absolutely. be nimble. If you can't pivot quickly, um, you're gonna get left behind, especially in this digital age, man. There's so much information out there that if you're not taking advantage of, people are going to pass you up really quick. So with 75% of your clients being in this space, I'm curious, what do you see as the main differentiator between those successful companies and the less successful companies? Are there a few things on your end from your perspective that you see differentiating? Yeah, I think professional, you know, just being a professional business and in, in, in how you present yourself. I mean, you are what yeah. you do, right? And you can call yourself professional, but if you got guys that don't show up to the job or are rude to the customers or things like that, that makes a huge difference. Um, the other thing that I've seen too is 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 kind of this relationship that you're building inside mm -hmm. of your marketing. Um, there's a lot of people that are just doing before and after pictures, right? And that's and that's what everybody's doing. So that people want to work with people. One of the cool things I heard. I was out on a job last year when I was doing heavily, you know, working in audits for my previous firm. And I sat down with the CFO of this pretty large company and I'd sent him out an email. Um, and, and I had a list of stuff that we were going to talk about. So we're sitting in the nice conference room and I'm going over these things. And I realized one of the things that I put on that list was he'd already provided for me. And I was like, crap, I screwed this up. Like this is kind of a dump, makes me look really stupid and, un and unprepared. And he goes, you know, um, he, he wasn't mad. He was like, you know, I'm glad you screwed up. I like knowing that I'm working with real people. And I went, man, what a good line that was. That stuck with me. And I went, yeah, that's exactly right. I like working with real people too that admit their, that when they make mistakes or that you can connect with, right? Um, so that's been a big differentiator. The other thing too is, is just being proactive. We, it's really easy to be reactive, but if you are proactive inside of your business and doing some of the unsexy things like, sitting down and actually taking time to think and to write out core values and to write out goals. And, and you know, the, you make those prominent inside of how you're running your business. That is a massive differentiator. And those are things that aren't difficult. They don't require your back to do them. They don't require lots of equipment, but they require you to sit down and actually do them. Those are things that are pushing guys ahead way faster than other people. Um, and, and that's the biggest difference. I had a, so. I had a former uh, partner of mine from a different business and he said, uh, the difference between reactive and proactive is uh, a reactive person is an eight and eight football team that puts some people in the seats. They could probably pay their bills, but they never make the playoffs. <laughs> Pro proactive, exactly. proactive teams go to the Super Bowl. Yep. That is a great right. way to look at it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, it's, and, and that's tough. You know, that's not something that's just taught yeah. generally. Um, that's something you learn. That's something you, you work through. Um, and, and and you can harp on it all day long. Some of that, I think, is you got to make a few mm -hmm. mistakes to get past yeah. some of that. You know, I, I've talked to a bunch of people this past week that 
are kicking themselves right now because they did nothing from a bookkeeping perspective all year. And now tax time's rolling around and it's taking them a week or two that they have to stop doing everything they're doing because they're going through old bank statements trying to figure out what is their expenses that are business right. related and, and, and having to basically recreate a whole year's worth of data it's a lot and of work. they hate it. And so that's been a common theme that I've heard this past week. And it's like, if you would have taken some time on the front end uh, and done some of these things, one, you probably would have more profit inside your business mm -hmm. this year because you were actually reviewing the data and it makes this time of year way well, less. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because uh, you know, one of the I, I gave a speech at an inspection conference a while back, and I was uh, one of the things that I think small business owners really make critical mistakes on is is, is it, you know it's it's death by DIY, you know, um, they're they're spending a crap load of time doing basic functions. So I I figured this out uh, mathematically for me based on the sales that I do, I'm worth about four hundred dollars an hour in my company, and yeah. When I first got started, I did my own bookkeeping. I did my own payroll. And at $400, if I spend two eight-hour days, I'm spending six that, – that, that cost me $6,000 to do two days of bookkeeping when I could have made, yeah. made that $6,000. And realistically, from a bookkeeping – let's say it just cost me $1,000 for a month for, to have a bookkeeper. I'm, I'm miles yeah. ahead of the curve. And you, you have, so you have to be smart. Because, oh, you know, yeah. we're, when you're in business, the mistake I think a lot of people make is they think that they're in, they're in business to make money. And um, I, I think you're in business to serve. And I also think you're in business for time. Yeah. And time is, time is yep. the money buys the time. And, uh, and exactly. so it, it, money is just a product of your business. It's about getting more time and time creates opportunities to be yep. creative. Um, it allows you to create your vision. Uh, yep. and, and you need to get out of those menial tasks as fast as you can, because that's the only way your business stops being a small business. Otherwise, if, if you don't do it, that's it's easy. a job and it's, it, it doesn't matter if you own it, it's still a job, you know? I love that you calculated that out. That makes me incredibly happy. As a well, you're gonna, yeah. I mean, to your to people who are listening to this, and, and I'm I'm not just trying to give Drake here a cheap plug. The reality of it is, it's better it's better to use Drake's time to do the bookkeeping than it is to use your time because your time that you you have to sacrifice a money making opportunity to do that bookkeeping. You have to by definition. So get that out of your hands. And what what's what's always funny to me is is people recognize that when they, you know, I, I'm in a lot of these pressure washing groups and a lot of what these guys will say is, you know, I don't get my truck for less than $150, right? So they intrinsically recognize that, but when it comes to the operations right. of the business, that's where there's right, the yeah. disconnect, right? Because, well, and also we're, we're dealing with the with with blue collar workers and, and I absolutely love them, man. They're some of the most successful Genuine. people that I know, yep. but they have a lot of, work they have a lot of i'm gonna get get this accomplished and so we have talked about this on a few podcasts as well you experience a little bit of ego death as right. your business grows where you realize i can't right. do everything right i can't possibly do everything in a single day um i, I can't work physically more than 100 yeah. hours a week i just can't do any of that and i'm also not great yeah. at everything well that's the thing and you know the the, the <laughs> best day of your business life it, let, let's say you're, you, you've built a power washing company, you got four locations you operate out of, and you walk into a location, and the person at the front desk says to you, hi, can, hi, can I help you, sir? That's when you know you made it. They don't even yes. know who you are. That's how, that's how you yeah. know you really made it and you have yeah. an asset. You know. Um, that's exactly so we're going to take a little right. break here. we gotta go, we got to break away, pay some bills. We're going to do a little quick commercial, and we'll be back. So we'll see you around the bend. You certainly can't afford to give profit away for no reason. 
But what if I told you credit card processors may be overcharging you and robbing you of profits you've worked hard to earn? It's time to put an end to being overcharged for payment processing. It's time to take back your profits. That's why we've put together a free report, How to Avoid Being Overcharged by Your Payment Processor. Head over to TakeBackYourProfits.com, download the report, and put an end to being overcharged for credit card processing. You've worked hard for your sales, and you deserve to keep it. What are you waiting for? Go to TakeBackYourProfits.com and download your report today. And we're back. <laughs> so uh, we, we left off talking a little bit about uh, uh, getting rid of the DIY stuff and putting the focus where it needs to be. And I think, you know, the next thing we really got to work on with some of these smaller businesses and, and helping them grow is uh, being that we have a CPA here is is have is uh, and this is something that's very much missed in small business is having a tax plan because that could benefit you could save a lot of money and saving is earning so being prepared for the yes. end of the year at the beginning of the year is really an important part of developing your business so drake talk to us about that equipment purchase at the end of the year how, how are where are places we could put our money to prepare for the next business cycle by getting at the end of the year yeah, so let's let's st let's take a step back and then we'll answer some of that. So I like to say the worst part about taxes is just the fear of the unknown. The IRS is incredible at fear mongering, and so they scare the heck out of you and make you freak out about taxes, right? But if you're being proactive about some of this stuff, this is where we can put some of those fears at ease, but also do some really really good planning to make sure you're paying your fair share, right? The little fun little word that gets tossed around in the media, but but actually utilizing some good tax strategy to lower. So, so Drake, what yeah. is your fair share? Cause that, I've, I've always been confused about fair exactly. share because I, I know what I pay every year and it's usually in the, in the six figure range. And uh, I feel like I'm doing my yep. fair share, but everyone's telling me I'm not. So <laughs> <laughs> we can debate this till the cows come home. Um, here's, here's what I like to do. I like to find there's, there's a couple things you can do when you're tax planning, right? There, there are just some basic, Hey, let's let's figure out what cash do we owe if we do nothing, right? That can solve one intrinsic fear in itself of what is the bill going to be that I need to write a check for in April, right? So that's that can be one problem solver. The next piece could be okay, how do we mitigate taxes to the absolute lowest extent, right? And so this is where we can start talking about buying equipment. Um, the IRS has different tax laws in place that let you write off equipment the year you buy it. Now. From an accounting standpoint, one of the basic rules of accounting is, is it's called the matching principle. This is where you're trying to match your revenues that your business is creating to your expenses. So when you buy um, equipment over $2,500, this is the IRS kind of dollar amount that they've set, you typically have to depreciate this equipment over five years, right? So you don't buy, in, in our scenario, a pressure, a pressure washing skid or a trailer or something like that to utilize one time. You're hopefully going to be able to utilize this over many years. So under the matching principle, you wouldn't expense it the day you buy it, you would expense it over its lifetime, right? So we can debate on how long that is. The IRS kind of sets limits and, and uh, sets year terms to some of these things. So from one example, if you buy a $20,000 uh, unit, in theory, you could take $4,000 in depreciation or as an expense each year. Now, if you take advantage of some of these tax laws, let's say you have an awesome year and you know next year you're gonna you're gonna need a, you're gonna set up a whole new crew and you're gonna need a new truck and you're gonna need a new uh, equipment that's gonna go on that truck and you're looking at fifty thousand bucks in 
in future expenses that you're maybe going to buy in January or February to get ready for your year. Let's buy that in December and take all $50,000 of that as an expense in the current year so that we can offset that against our profit. Now, the issue that you run into, and, and this is where what I like to call the farmer's dilemma. Um, you know, so I'm from the Midwest, so farming is a big piece out here. But you see farmers always driving around in brand new trucks, and they got to get a new combine every year to make sure that they can harvest their corn as efficiently as possible is exactly what they'll tell you. Really, what they're doing is they're utilizing these tax laws. Now, the trip, the, the trick that you can get into on this is, let's say you buy a new truck. Uh, for $50,000 this year, right? We're, we're doing it, or actually in December of 2021. Um, okay, we get to write that whole truck off. And then next year, we want to do the same thing because, man, we love this. We love these tax write-offs that we're getting from this. Well, we trade that truck in that we bought in 2021. In 2022, we're going to go buy another $50,000 truck. We trade in the other truck. They give us forty grand for it. We think, man, we got a good deal in this used truck market. Well, now you got to pick up $40,000 of income. Because to the IRS, that truck is worth $0. You have written the entire amount off. And now you've just picked up $40,000 for it. So $40,000 minus zero is $40,000 of income. So you buy another $50,000 truck. Now you get to write off $10,000, you know, is the kind of the difference between those two. So this is the, it's a great, like, if you're expanding your equipment base, but if this is something you want to do on a, on a year-to-year basis, you got to continually buy more and more expensive equipment to replace the stuff you bought the year before, or there's not a ton of savings after you sell it or trade something in. And so at some point, if you skip a year, that kind of all comes up to, ke- to catch up with you, or you continually push it off until the end of your business when you sell it and you're going to pay a bunch of gain right. anyways. So that's a little bit of the farmer's dilemma, but that's a good tool, especially if you're expanding to, to, to uh, get some good tax deductions. Now, what I like to do is kind of a hybrid method of this. Um, and, and again, this is where the proactive side comes into play. One, let's run the projection just to know where we're at, right? Now let's put in some different opportunities. Okay, well, we know we need, you need to buy a new truck and some new equipment, okay? Okay, we can utilize some of that to help um, lower our tax liability. I like to look at, at the percentage numbers, right? What tax bracket are you falling into? Right. Let's see if we can maximize the lower end bracket numbers. You know, so if you're married filing jointly, I think it's like 10 percent, then 12 percent, then 22, 24. And then from 24, it jumps up to 32. And then I think you have 35 and 37. That's a horrible spot. The 24 to 32 is brutal. Yeah. Horrible. So if you're sitting where you're getting into that income level where you're in the 32, let's maybe not try to drop you down to the 12. Let's, let's utilize some of those lower brackets. Let's try to maybe get you into that 24% bracket where you don't have $100,000 that are being taxed at that 32% bracket. So that's, and, and the benefit of doing some of that is, is you don't have these massive cash flow swings, right? Because we're still operating a business. So we want to pay minimal taxes, but we want, or we want operations to not be so effective, right? So if we buy a $50,000 truck, and utilize a bunch of cash to go buy that truck, um, that could really put a damper on your working capital needs over the next few months because we know in the pressure washing, there's a lot of seasonality to it. And you can be pretty slow from December through the end of February, and you may need some of that cash just to run day-to-day operations. You might run at a loss those few months. And so you need cash reserves to be able to run your business. So 
there's there's some practical um, aspects of this as well to make sure that you can still run a healthy business. I'm actually experiencing this right now with one of my clients. He took out a bunch of money and bought a couple rental properties, which don't they have long term you know tax benefits, but in the in the short term, he's kind of crippled his business for the next few months because he's got no cash and he's coming into the the best part of his season where he should be laying down some serious dollars in marketing and he doesn't have the cash to be able to do some of that. So he was getting a little cutesy um, and, and, and I get it. You know, he wants to utilize some of his profits to be able to buy real estate and I fully support that, but it's crippled his operations a little bit until he's able to get jobs flowing again. And that's, and just, that's just pre-planning, so right? That's just making sure if you had that game plan laid out, you know where you have to fill up your cash reserves and, and be prepared. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, these are fun problems to talk about. Like when, when these are things that you get to start thinking about, these are really good problems to have inside of your business. So I have another client this year that he's looking at about $200,000 in profit. Uh, he does about 25% net income percentage. So he's doing about 800,000 in sales, 200,000 in profit. Um, and what we did for him, he's getting really big into real estate. He's got some kind of cool things. He's doing like luxury um, uh, tree houses that he's renting out cool. in Washington. So you can go stay in a luxury tree house on this property through Airbnb. But what we were able to do, he went and financed a $70,000 truck. We were able to drop him down into uh, the 24% tax bracket and all the cash that he'd saved up to pay his tax bill um, we figured out he only needed about 10,000. He had about 80,000 sitting around. So he took that 80,000 and went and bought another piece of property. And, and, but because he financed the truck, we can still write the whole amount off and he's got sufficient cash flows on a monthly basis inside of his business. So that was a fun strategy session to put that together where he's saving a bunch in taxes. We got him into the right tax bracket, but we didn't have to use a bunch of cash because he had decent credit to go be able to buy a vehicle like this. And now he's also building his real estate portfolio as well. So this all ties Excellent. back in fantastic to optimization, right? Like you're just absolutely optimizing, optimizing yeah. this, you know, tax situation here. And I want to go back to how this is like from the business end of it, you can be a great technician, but you need to outsource things like this so that you can really optimize it and, and be able to scale and take your business to the next level and run it the best way possible. So if anyone um, is listening to this and says, wow, Drake, that all sounds amazing, but it's going over my head. Um, should I send them to, to your website to, to give you a call and, and talk about this? You can find Drake at his website, www.performancefinancialllc.com. And um, I think that these are all the conversations that, you know, someone looking to take their business to the next level and scale up. Th this is the conversation you have to have. Because you need to be able to, you know, structure it the right way first before you grow, right? Exactly. Yeah, let's lay a foundation. Um, because from that foundation, we can put up walls. If we start putting up walls before we have a foundation, it's really, really tough to make sure you have a right. stable house, right? Uh, and a lot of times, the foundation building is not sexy and it's not very fun. It's hard work. Uh, any concrete guys out there will <laughs> will, will will understand that and. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not fun. I, I tell my clients the first couple months is going to be a little bit of a, a trudge through some of this as we get some processes down. But on the back end, it's going to be so rewarding to have good information to be able to utilize some of these tools effectively, right? Uh, what, what's always funny to me when people argue about what's the right tax and how much should we tax the rich? Um, 
the argument is wrong, right? We can't be mad at people for utilizing the laws, but we can be mad at the laws. We can disagree that the laws are not correct, but we can't be mad at people for utilizing them, right? So, so those are two separate arguments that, that need to be made. Um, but we can't be mad at, you know, Amazon for not paying any money in tax. They're just following the tax laws and utilizing them effectively, right? You can be mad that they have all the lobbying power or, or something like that. But again, separate yeah. argument, right? So let's utilize the current laws to the best of our advantage, but let's also be practical in how we, in how we utilize some of them because, you know, for, for anybody that's out there that's, that's just starting up or that's pretty young inside of their business, um, it might not be a good idea to drive your profits to zero. Right, we might want to pay a little bit of tax. We might not want to take advantage of some of the depreciation laws that are out there because, man, I hope that the, your first year in business isn't your best year from a profit standpoint. Right? Maybe we need to push some of those expenses to year two and three and four. Right? Because if we want to drop you down to nothing, well, it doesn't do you a lot of good in the future when you should be growing your business and experiencing yeah. profit. But a lot of people are going to say, let's pay as little in taxes as possible, and it's like. That's not always no, it, the best it, and most. It's not because so, so one of the one of the areas where businesses fall apart the most is when they've hit they've hit a critical mass and they are not prepared to handle the amount of sales that are coming in, um, and that especially from a financial right. point of view, if you can't produce what you need to sell at the time yeah. they want it, I've seen a lot of businesses who who did a good job building to a certain point but weren't properly prepared for what comes next. And, you know, there's a, there's an old adage in businesses and, and you got, you have to learn to swallow your pride as a business owner. I, I in, in counseling with other businesses, I'll tell you the, the biggest problem is always the person you're talking to. It's always that person. And yeah. if you could learn to swallow your pride a little bit, again, one of the, the best expressions I ever heard is what got, and I'm going through this right now, what got me here won't get me there. And it's, it's this exactly. point where our company is going through this right now, where um, we're literally restructuring everything we're doing and building processes, which is allowing me to replace myself in certain things that I'm doing, which gives you more creative control of your company, allows you to grow faster. And because m money isn't made by yep. money, it's made by people. And, 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 and you got to exactly. have the people in place and you got to be able to, to create those steps. Um, Drake, we got to have you on again, brother, man. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> and it, it, this is, this is, <laughs> I can talk oh, all day about this. This, this stuff, is great man. information. Is I, I think we're going to get with you again re relatively soon. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as soon as you tell me you're free from, from your, your tax burdens, uh, I will be happy to get you on here again. We'll make some Absolutely. time for you guys. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, Drake uh, Van Hall, and he is with Performance uh, Financial. And I got to tell you, just if, you, if you're looking for a, a regular guy that you could talk to, have a little fun with, and understand what he's doing, he'll help your business grow. And he's definitely someone you want to talk to. So thanks for coming on board, Drake. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. This is a lot of fun. Thanks a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. And thank Take you care, so guys. much for sharing your expertise and insight with our Pressure Washer audience. We really appreciate it. They really appreciate it. And I just want to say something very exciting. Drake had mentioned Mike um, before, prior in the, in the beginning of the episode. He is actually scheduled to be on the show next week. So we'll be recording an episode next week. We'll get his take. We'll talk a little right. bit about uh, Legacy Entrepreneurs, which is where Mike is, uh, where Drake is a coach as well. So we're very excited to, to go deeper into this. So thank you very much, Drake, for your insight and expertise. And we'll have you on again. Appreciate it. All right. See you next time. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit the bell so you won't miss our next episode. This episode was produced by Jake Aronson. This has been a Pair Payments production. 